Well, good morning. You're looking good today. Those of you who have been holding on to that one hour we lost must have got it by now because you're looking pretty good. Hey, those of you that have been on our journey of purpose-driven life, right? If you started when we all started, then um, today is day 42. So it's been quite a journey. And um, I'd love to hear your feedback, those of you that will wrap up your journey with today's reading, or maybe you already finished it today. But it's been amazing. I wish I had the ability to share all the comments and the feedback that I've received. And if you'll put them in writing, I'll be able to share some of those. But um, listen, if you didn't start right when we started, uh, continue, finish. If you say, I don't even know what the heck you're talking about, get the Purpose Driven Life 42-day reading book. And I'm telling you, it's life-changing. The other thing I want to do before we get started here today is just to let you know, those of you that have been praying for my aunt who was diagnosed with acute leukemia just about three and a half weeks ago, they gave her either four days or up to like a 12 months to live. She passed away this past Monday, and uh, tomorrow is the funeral. So pray for her family um, and the rest of us tomorrow. Um, I know where she's at. Today would have been her 87th birthday. And uh, no, don't feel bad for her. I'm serious. It's the best birthday she's ever had because of her faith in Christ. And I believe that without a doubt. So I wonder, as we start a brand new series today called Real Help for Today's World, we're living in a different world. Have you noticed that? And I wonder how many of you have noticed, how many of you noticed that there are so many people today that are incredibly angry and easily offended. How many of you have noticed that? Yeah. How many of you would say, wow, you know what? I find myself easy offended and easily angered more than I ever have before. Good, you're in the right place today. How many of you have noticed that sometimes Christians can be some of the most easily offended and quickest to anger. Yeah. I don't know if you've realized that or not. I think, well, gee whiz, Jesus, didn't you want us to be the police to (laughs) let everybody know that they're sinners and that they're doing wrong and that we're right and they're wrong? Mm, Not quite that way. So today, as we start this brand new series, I want to talk about our culture today. I want to talk about the fact that it's not just you noticing that, that it truly has changed our world these last couple years, and where we sit today, people are much easily offended, and they're easily angered, I believe, more than maybe ever before. And so what I want to do in the next three weeks leading up till Easter Sunday is I'm just going to kind of lay my cards out on the table. Um, I'll probably offend some of you. So just so you know that, but I'm going to offend you, hopefully, and I know with the goal of helping you, helping you get over some of the offenses, helping you maybe even with some unforgiveness, and hopefully helping you to see things different than you currently see things. And so with that, I'd just like to ask if you'd bow with me for prayer, and let's just ask God to speak to us today in a way that we can't miss. God, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be together God, thank you for the gift of technology. God, thanks for the ability that you've given our brains and our hearts to take in your word. That God, that you know us better than we know ourselves. I pray that right now, every single one of us would say, God, speak to me in a way that I not only hear, 
but I do something about it. God, we live in a crazy world right now, but we also know that you're here and that you've got a plan and you choose to use followers of Jesus to be light in a dark world. God, bring honor and glory to yourself today. We say thanks in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So I'm going to introduce this series today. We're kind of going to do it in a fun way, I think. I think it's going to be in an impactful way. And then the next two weeks, we're going to drill down deeper and really unpack this together. So if you would take out your message outlines, I encourage you to follow along, fill in the blanks, make your own notes because you retain 70% more when you write something down than when you just hear it. Um, I want to introduce a big thought today from James chapter 1, verse 19, and then we're going to read a little bit further, verse 20, in just a little bit. But the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, here's what he says in James. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And then he gives them some special instructions. He said, everyone, everyone say everyone, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Who should do that? Everyone. All of us should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I don't know about you, but some days I'm the exact opposite of that. I don't listen very well, I'm very fast to speak, and I'm very quick to become angry. That's just me. I can tell everybody else is quiet. You don't have that problem. Good. (laughs) Just stay tuned. I think we live in a culture where I'm not the only one, right? Where people are not quick to listen. People very often hardly hear you at all. And they're very quick, however, to speak their opinions. You notice that? We all have opinions. We're all easily offended, and many people are very quick to get angry. Matter of fact, I mean, you cannot even know someone, and they look at you wrong, and you're ready to fight them. That's how quick you're angered. And can we just understand, that's not about them, that's about us. (laughs) This is going to be a fun day. (laughs) In fact, when you look at Jesus and you watch how he handled people, he modeled that James passage that we just read. He actually did. Do you know how many questions that Jesus was asked? If you looked up all the questions that someone else asked Jesus in the gospel, do you know how many he was asked? He was asked 183 questions directly. Do you know how many of those 183 questions he directly answered? Three. Do you know how many questions Jesus asked other people? 307 in the Gospels. Why? Because he was quick to listen. He was other people focused more than he was himself focused. And he was slow to speak and he was slow to become angry because he was quick to listen. That's why he asked more questions than he answered. He let people talk. He found out what was going on in them. And he's given us the same assignment. He says every one of us should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I don't know about you, but that means I've got work to do. If you look at what happens with anger today, I think anger has evolved. I really do. 
Like when I look at myself and the things that used to get me angry, for the most part, it was little things. My wife would still say, yeah, you still get bad at little things. <laughs> like, I'm pretty nice if I pull up to a four-way stop and we kind of get there at the same time. Depending on what mood I'm in, sometime I'll be going like, go ahead. And I'm going to be honest, when I go go ahead and they go ahead and they don't say like, thank you, I get ticked. I'm like, you do realize I was there 0.1 second before you, right? Like I could have taken that position, but I gave it to you and you don't have the decency to wave and say thank you. It's amazing to me the little things like that used to get me mad, like people paying $60,000 for a car that doesn't come with blinkers. It's like, are you kidding me? right? It's the little things. It's like leaving someone a message and right on their answer machine says, leave me your name and number. I'll call you back right as soon as I can. And they don't. That ticks me off. But anger's evolved, hasn't it? I mean, think about it. Today's world, anger has escalated. In today's world, there's so much divisiveness Masks or no masks, vaccines or no vaccine, who's standing and who's kneeling during the national anthem, who's, who's really responsible for $4 gas and what's going on in our world, right? And what do you think? And oh, you think that? Then I hate you almost. Like, I'm ready to fight you. Like, are you kidding me, anger? And can we just understand we all have our issues? And most of our issues are with other people because we don't tend to have issues with our issues because to us, we don't really have issues because we're right. Right? We all have that thing that we can't believe everybody else isn't angry about because we're so angry about it. And some of us have whole lists of issues that we're angry about. It's escalated. I don't think the fact that we're more easily angered and more be, maybe more divided than maybe ever in our lifetime, can we just understand that I don't think that's pleasing to God? I don't think God looks down on us as his followers and said, wow, you guys are doing that just right. <laughs> and you know, I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard to admit. And this may not be true for everyone. I was going to say everyone, but I thought somebody would be offended that I really thought it was them too, and they, and they'd argue with me about that. So almost everyone, I believe, has these issues. And I think some people actually kind of enjoy being angry. Now, I wouldn't say they necessarily enjoy what angers them, but there's something about the fact that they enjoy being angry. Because we even set up groups for people to be angry together. Think about it. Now, we have small groups at Crossroads, 
but not anger groups, or at least we're not supposed to, right? Like we have small groups that get together to do life together, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to, to be a face and a person with skin on that can give us some honest feedback and we can wrestle together when one's weak, the others are strong, right? But there's people in today's world with social media, like you can have a Facebook group, right? And you can say like, I got 73 other angry friends because I tend to cluster with the people that are angry about the same things I'm angry about. And so you get on there and you just puke out your anger and the rest of your group pukes out the anger. (laughs) What are you angry about? I'm angry about this. Me too. Why don't we join a group? We'll invite other people that are angry about that. How cool is that? Listen, we live in a notorious, we live in a pretty cool community, right? A lot of good things. Did you know there's a website that's called Nosy Butts of Adrian? I'm being nice with the verbiage. Take a look sometime and see how many members are a part of that. And you know what they do? They post these nosy butts of Adrian, that group. They're angry about pretty much everything. They're nosy about everything. They spread stuff that comes out of your butts, and they spread it all over. Can you say that? You know what's a little weird about that? Some of you will be more offended. I kind of alluded to something more than what's going on with those groups of people that are so angry. And when we're angry, it's kind of fun, right? We actually, I think when we're angry, we actually kind of feel morally superior. Because in our world, again, we're right in that group or whoever we're angry at, they must be wrong. And so in our world, they're either evil or they're an idiot. Or some people are evil idiots. We're easily angered. And I don't believe for a minute that it's pleasing to God. So I want to ask you a couple of questions about your anger. In other words, how effective is your anger? Have you ever thought about that? Like, how's it really going for you? <laughs> Being angry and getting angry easily. Like, how's it working? Is it making you more like Jesus? Is it? Is your anger pointing other people to an intimacy and the freedom and the grace that comes with Jesus? That becomes a whole different thought pattern, doesn't it? I was doing that this week, and I'm like, ooh, maybe not. How effective is your anger? Is it making you more loving? Does it make the people around you more joyful? For those of you who just can't stand till I give you the answer, I'll give you a spoiler alert. It's not working, according to Scripture. It's not. In fact, James 1.19, I'm going to look at that again, and then we're going to add to it verse 20. But it says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? He gives us the answer right there. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know why he wants everyone not to get easily angered? Because he says human anger, it does not produce the righteousness that God desires for us. We're to mimic him. We're to be like our savior. We're to be light in a dark world. We're to love. We're to walk in when everybody else walks out. We're to be spreaders of grace and love and joy and truth. And he said that doesn't produce it. So we're divided and angered over someone's political views. 
Are you ready to jump out of your car and fight the guy that gave you the middle finger in the parking lot? <laughs> that was at church. No. <laughs> Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It does not. Now you say, well, Pat, you know, Scott, I, I think my anger's righteous. And there may be, right, there is a righteous anger. Jesus had a righteous anger. He never sinned, but he did get angry. He got angry at sinful things, certain things, but he never sinned. So he had righteous anger. And maybe, 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 just maybe, there's a small, small part of your anger or mine that we might be able to put in that category. But for the most part, our anger is not producing the results God wants it to produce. If we're honest, we tend to have more of a self-righteous anger. We tend to judge others differently than we judge ourselves, right? Isn't it easy to criticize someone else for their language, for their sin, but we ignore our own spiritual pride? Isn't it easy to judge someone? You say, oh, I believe they're sinning sexually, but we ignore our own gluttony. Have I offended you yet? Stay tuned. I'm coming for you. That's my goal, is to get all of us before the end of the day. We tend to think that our anger is justified. Why? Because it's our anger. Because it seems so right to us. Well, how effective is your anger? Are you drawing people to Jesus because of the way you extend grace? Do they see the goodness and the love of God through you in your anger? <laughs> is your anger bringing more joy to the people around you? Is your anger enhancing your marriage? Is it making it better? Is your anger giving your children a life that they want to mimic? Or is it driving them away? Are your kids saying, I don't want to be like that? Listen, ultimately, we need to make a decision about our anger. If you're taking notes, you can fill these in. Here's two questions. Do you want to make a point in your anger? Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? What is the point of your anger? Do you want to make a point? In your own mind, somehow to convince yourself that you're right and they're wrong, do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? I believe way too many of us just want to make a point. But I would submit to you that we need a different attitude to be like Christ. We need a different philosophy in dealing with the wrongs of this world than getting so easily angered and thinking our anger is right and everybody else is wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. Our emotions <laughs> need to be controlled. Our emotions, we need the Spirit of God to direct our actions so that we're not just making a point, but we can make a difference. 
that we're not trying just to win an argument. We're trying to win people through the grace and the goodness of Jesus. And that's a big, big, big difference. How's your anger working? So in the Bible, there's this really, really smart guy. He's an expert in the law. And one day he asked Jesus a question. And this question, this is one of those that Jesus answered. This really smart man said, Jesus, tell me what's the most important thing. Like if you were to boil the whole Bible down to just a couple of things, what would it be? Like what's the most important thing? And Jesus listens to this guy. He knew the man's heart because Jesus knows our hearts. And he responds with an answer. He said, you want to know what's the most important thing? Jesus quotes this in Matthew 22, verse 37. Here's what Jesus replied. The most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And he said, you know what the second one is? The second one is love your neighbors yourself. That you could take the whole Bible and wrap it up in those two things, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you did that and loving other people like you love yourself, you solve all of it. You want to know what's most important? Jesus said, love God with everything in you. With your heart, your body, your soul. Love Him in all that you do. And love other people like you love yourself. If we loved other people like we love ourselves, we would not treat other people like we treat them. We would not talk about them like we talk about them. We would not ready, be ready to punch them in the face over the simplest things if we loved them like we loved ourselves. <coughs> A tickle. If you could only feel what I feel. Jesus wants us to be like him. If you think about this, I thought about that this week. Jesus never, ever, ever told us as Christ followers that we have to be right. But he did say, I want you to be loving. Correct? We got a lot of right fighters in today's world. Do you want to make a point? Or do you want to make a difference? So as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, how do we battle against the forces of darkness? How do we get out of the ruts that we're in? How do we have a new view of being slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry? How do we move from just trying to make a point or to be right fighters and move to a point and a position that will honor God and we can make a difference? And actually help move people closer to experiencing him. Do you know hearts are rarely changed by anger? <laughs> you ever got really angry at somebody and, and the result was they just did exactly what you wanted and said, oh, I see it now. You're right, I did vote for the wrong person. <laughs> You're right. <sighs> you ever watch MMA? 
My wife gets so grossed out watching those guys just beat the snot out of each other. You would think, man, some of us would be great MMA fighters because we're so angry, like just get us in there. But you know what? The best MMA fighters don't get angry. Because you want to know the quick way to lose, you get angry and get out of your head and somebody will remind you that you got out of your head and you got angry. You know the best police officers? You'd think they'd be the ones angry and kind of take control. They lose their head. It's the ones that can control that. The best Christians are not the ones that drop a hat or angry and ready to punch somebody in the face for pulling out too soon at a four-way stop. It's the ones that can say, I don't want to make a point. I want to make a difference. I'm not going to fight over being right. I want to be effective. I want to be like my Savior. Does that mean you don't have opinions? No, that's not what I'm saying. And trust me, I have my own opinions. Trust me, I have some strong opinions. But I don't want my strong opinions to overrule the love that God wants to show through me to other people so I can say I was right or I won. So here's the big question. How do you learn to get out of the anger? How, how do we move past that that might be holding us down and causing damage all around and we don't even see all the damage that we're causing? How do we become people that are more like Jesus and we overcome our offenses? I want to give you two thoughts that can be incredibly helpful. I hope they're incredibly helpful for you. And then I'm going to give you an assignment. How do we get out of the, how do we let go of the anger? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is you got to lower your expectations of others. Lower your expectations of others. Lower your expectation of what you expect from other people. Huh. You ever felt like people are going to, somehow they're going to let you down? You ever had anybody betray you? You ever had somebody tell you they were going to show up to your thing and they didn't show up to your thing? You ever call someone and they said they'd call you back and they didn't call you back? <laughs> they said they'd always be there for you and then they weren't there for you? They forgot your birthday? Like they, 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 you went to their shower, but then they didn't make it to your shower? Can we just understand people are going to disappoint us? You're, you're, you're going to be incredibly disappointed by people. Anybody ever been disappointed by a peer? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. At home, type it in chat. I have. Can I just tell you? What did you expect? They're people. They're sinners just like you and I. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he did that. I, I was just shocked. I never thought a Christian would do that. Why not? None of us are perfect. We do sinful things all the time. We do. Yes, they do too, but we do. You know why? Because we're all sinners. We should expect it. If we lowered our expectation and said, you know what? I know I'm going to get hurt sometimes. Maybe intentionally, many times unintentionally because that's people. For those of you that are sitting, you're like, man, when is this world going to change for the better? When are people going to wake up and get it? Let me be the bearer of good news. 
The Apostle Paul told Timothy what people are like, and he said, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk today, like, are we in the end times, and people are trying to predict it. Don't listen to people predicting it. Jesus said, not even he knows, only the Father knows. So you have somebody telling you when the world's going to end? I know it won't end then. It's not our job to worry about that. You know what we ought to be worried about? What Jesus said at our job, which is to spread love and joy and grace. Quit being so easily angered. But Paul tells Timothy, look at this, 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4. You want to know what people are going to be like in the end times? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, nosy butts, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then we're shocked when they don't call us back. <laughs> she said, that's who we are. That's, that's, that's what people are going to be like. You know what he's really saying? Sinful people do sinful things. Just expect it. And when they don't, it's a bonus day. When they act like the people that they are, you should just expect it. So one of the ways we lower our anger quotient is just to lower our expectations. <laughs> Can I just tell you, I know this is going to shock you, but if you follow me around long enough, I'll let you down. Some of you say, Phew, you already done that like 10 times today. We've only been here a few minutes. I'll let you down. Even if I don't want to let you down, I'll let you down. You know what? Because I'm as human as you're human. We have our expectations up too high for one another. We expect too much out of other people. We don't expect that much from ourselves. What we really get mad about is what happened is a sinful person wasn't perfect because they're just like you and I who are not perfect. Lower your expectations of others. That's one of those steps, right? When you think about Jesus, he was never shocked by the self-centeredness of other people. I can't believe they're sinning. I never see him do that. He was never scandalized by immoral behavior. He was not. You, you read story after story in the New Testament with what Jesus did. He walked up to the woman on the, at the well. Remember that story? And he realized, he knew her because he knows everything, because he was God in the flesh, that she had been married five different times. And the man that she was living with, that they were doing the thing, currently she wasn't married to. And what did Jesus do? Walked up to her at the well, did he do? And he said, I, just, I can't be close to you. You're one of those types. You know, I just got to get away from you. You've been married five times, and the guy you're shacking up with right now, you're not married to? Ugh! Did he do that? No. He didn't even say, I can't wait to tell Peter and John. And it's, and it's not going to be gossip. We're going to pray for you, lady. We're going to pray for you. It's not gossip. We're only going on nosy butts to tell people to pray for you. That's what we're doing. 
He didn't judge her. He wasn't shocked by her behavior. He offered her living water. He spoke to her with dignity. He was trying to let her know that what she was craving, he could give her in a different way that she would never thirst again. Even Jesus' closest followers, the disciples, you know what they did? (laughs) They were posturing themselves. Remember the argument that his disciples were having of who's Jesus' favorite? Who gets to sit right next to him? Who's going to be the top-ranking disciple? Who's going to be the RHM and the KOG? The right-hand man in the kingdom of God. That's what that was. (laughs) Who's going to be that guy? And they were arguing. Disciples. Their their job is to spread the gospel to all parts of the world. And they're arguing over who Jesus likes most. Isn't that human beings? Jesus didn't come up to them like the three stooges and grab their heads and clank them together. Like, I've had enough. Are you guys kidding me? I'm sick of your attitude. You guys are supposed to be the disciples and you're acting like that. He didn't do it. You know what he did? He just kept on loving them. Just kept on loving them. Think about Peter. (laughs) We're talking the inner circle Peter. Remember Peter one day? Jesus is telling him, somebody's going to, of you are going to betray me. And Peter puffs his chest up, said, not me, Jesus. It's me and you. I got you. Can't speak for these other guys, but I got your back. You can count on me. I'll be with you till the end. I'll never betray you. I'm on your team. What did Peter do? He betrayed Jesus three times. He denied him three times. He abandoned Jesus. And you know what Jesus did not do? Jesus didn't say, I can't be a part of your small group anymore, Peter. (laughs) Peter, I have to take this to Facebook. (laughs) I have to post this on the nosy butts, right? He didn't go home and make a big square block on his social media and put, all people suck. You know what he did? He forgave Peter. He forgave him. And he said, now I want you to go out and take care of my sheep. (laughs) How do you get over so being easily angered and offended? You lower your expectation of others. We're all sinners. We all mess up and we're going to let each other down. And here's the second thing. I want to encourage you to raise your gratitude for God's grace. Lower your expectations of other people, but raise your gratitude for God's grace. We all want to benefit from God's grace, but we don't like handing it out so much. I'd love to have a show of hands, and if you're at home, type this in the chat, whether your hand is up or down. How many of you, and listen before you answer, raise your hand if you have never, ever sinned? Hmm, No one. Raise your hand if you've never lied. 
you've never cheated, you've never looked at someone lustfully, you've never envied, you've never gossiped about a friend, never called in sick when you really weren't. Isn't that amazing? How is it that a person is made right with God? Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 2, verse 8, 9, for it is by grace, it's by grace, God's grace that you've been saved. We've got to raise our gratitude for grace. That's what saved us. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's how you got saved. It's God's grace, which is an unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. Because you're a sinner and one sin disqualifies you from being perfect. So the only way you can be a child of God is to receive his gift of eternal life because of God's grace. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If you could work your way to heaven, if you could work your way into God's favor, we would all be bragged when we got to heaven. How'd you get here? Tell me your list. Show me your list. What'd you do? Here's what I did. And we'd all be patting ourselves and each other on the back. There'll be none of that because if you go there, it's because of one person that you went one way. It's because of God's grace that you didn't deserve, but you received that gift. And those of us that have received it, how in the world, how dare us to withhold it from one another? It's all by His grace. <laughs> Jesus forgave me of everything I've done wrong. Even though I've listed a bunch of my sins here today, I'm going to quit doing that before everybody leaves Crossroads. Says, so, <laughs> oh, he's a mess. <laughs> Brought my stone today, my rock. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty comfortable to have my stone or my rock in my hand. I don't want to minimize whatever some of you may be enduring right now because life is real, right? I've talked about politics, talked about social groups, I've talked about many things that divide us, things that we're facing in our world right now, but there's things that some of you are facing in your own life right now that brings significant pain, and I am not minimizing that one bit. Maybe, maybe, someone abused one of your kids. Maybe your spouse, you just found out, has been cheating on you. Maybe for years, they've been leading a double life. Maybe you're facing something horrible, horrible, horrible right now medically. I don't know. But whenever, we're, whenever we've been hurt, whenever we're angry, there tends to be this thought that I'm right and they're wrong. Remember we talked about that. I'm right and they're wrong. And so somehow in my mind, I'm justified in my anger because you would be angry too if you knew what they did. If you knew what he did, she did, what they said. And if you're not careful, you'll justify the right to hold the stone. 
And you know what? It's not that I'm going to throw the stone yet. But just in case I ever need to throw it, I've got it. You hurt my child, I'm going to hurt you. You may do that to me, but you're not going to do it to my wife or one of my kids. And so I've got this just in case. And then before long, it's like you're spreading false information or I find out from you, you actually did vote for the wrong candidate. Or that you don't believe in masks, or you do believe in masks, or vaccines, or inflation, whatever the subject matter is. And I hold my stone right ready to go because I'm right and you're wrong. And my anger gives me the right to hold this stone. And in John 8, this is not on your notes, it's not on the screen, but you might want to jot that down. You can go read that this afternoon. There was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, we know adultery happens a lot, but can you imagine the humiliation of getting caught in the act of adultery? And she got caught in the act of adultery with some religious person that decided to bring her in front of a group of other religious people, another group of angry men. He got his angry friends because we caught a sinner sinning. And they gather around this woman who was caught in an act of adultery. Likely, she's still without clothes. Who knows? Maybe lightly covered if they had some decency in them. And they all have their stone. And she's there. And they're ready to give her that because the law said she should be stoned. She could be stoned. And Jesus wasn't shocked. And he wasn't angry and he wasn't offended. You read the story. John chapter 8. You go to that this afternoon. I encourage you to do it this week. And we don't know how the Gospels, all the details of that story, but we know what happens is the Bible said that when they were all standing there with their stone, their rocks, ready to pelt this woman who was a sinner and caught in the act, Jesus bends down and he begins to scribble some things in the sand. We don't have recording in the Gospels exactly what he wrote. Most scholars tend to believe because of how it played out that he started writing the sins of each one of those men, starting with the oldest first. And every man that saw his own sins that he would only know that he committed, the oldest to the youngest walked away. Jesus essentially looked at this whole group without saying a word, but he was basically saying, you angry? You want to do something to right this wrong? And he bends down and he says, whoever of you has never sinned, whichever one of you guys that caught her in the act, if you've never sinned, you can throw the first stone. But they all walked away. There are so many injustices in the world today that break the heart of God. It's so, so easy for us to want to be righteously angry 
But I would submit to you and ask you to consider that really angry people have a hard time making a really big difference for God's glory. If we deal with enough anger, at some point, Jesus says, lower your expectations of others and raise your gratitude for grace. And because of the goodness of God, and because of what you have been forgiven and what I have been forgiven, it's time to drop the stone. Don't you think? Because Jesus didn't call us to be right. He called us to be loving. And I think every Christ follower's goal should be, my goal is not to make a point. My goal is to make a difference. My goal is not to convert you to my views or everything that I believe in or even everything that I am passionate about. I want to use my life in a way that is a reflection of my Savior in such a way that you're drawn to Him because of the way I love you. That's the way Jesus lived. That's the way he loved. That's how I want to live. Because human anger, my human anger, your human anger, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So come on, church. Let's rise above that. Let's raise our gratitude for God's grace. Our world needs it. Our community needs it. Because those are the people that God can use. So let's lead with love. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in us. That God, that you would um, use every one of us as your followers in such a way that God, we don't look to others today. <laughs> we look at ourselves in the mirror and we act accordingly. God, I pray that we would be difference makers, that we would be a group of people that lower our expectations because everyone is a sinner, and so are we. And that we would raise our gratitude for your grace and love people like you love them. With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed as we continue praying, there's some in this room or some of you listening, you've never experience the grace of God. You may have a different view of who God is. You might think God is mad at you. You look at all the things you've done and say, how could God love me? I don't even love me. 
I'm going to tell you that God loves you in spite of what you've done, that he sent his son to this world to live and to die for you, to pay for your sins so you wouldn't have to, to forgive you of everything you've done or will ever do wrong. And he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And if you'll provide the sinner that you are and admit that you are a sinner, which means you're not perfect, he will give you credit for his perfection. He's already paid the punishment that you deserve. And he'll give you that amazing grace gift called eternal life that you can't earn or purchase. It's just yours for the receiving. If that's you, right where you're at, make this your prayer. Say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. And as best I know how, I turn to you in faith. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me. I turn from my sinful ways and I turn to you as my only hope and my greatest need. Forgive me of all my sins. Change me from the inside out. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that I don't deserve, can't purchase, or earn. And from this day forward, I want to learn to love you and serve you like you love me. And you say, if I ask you to forgive me, you will. And you'll make me brand new. That's what I pray today. And I say, thanks for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you made that decision, whether you're here in person or at home, go to connect at crossroads.com. Fill out a form. Let us know. Give us your name, your contact information. We're not going to show up at your house. Let us know you made a decision, the best decision you'll ever make in a lifetime to receive Jesus. As you came in today and got a note sheet, you should have got an Easter invite card. These are huge. Not huge in size, but huge as far as their potential. We want you to have a conversation with several people that are in your circle. Invite them to join you for Easter at Crossroads. You can get more as you exit today. The greeters will have some of those. Ask for those. Take as many as you'll pass out. If you have a place of business, put them out. Take them to your coworkers. Have conversations. Instead of being angry that it took you 48 seconds to get your fast food, have a good attitude and love those people and say, hey, thanks for doing what you do. You got to meet some real jerks in this line that are angry. I'd love to invite you to a place that's positive. Um, Pray for those people. Invite those people. Next week, we're going to take another step. Next week, we're going to talk about those people. Anybody know some of those people? Don't act like you don't know about those people. You know about those people. As a matter of fact, I'm going to encourage you to bring those people with you. Next week, if you can, we're going to take another step. Real help for today's world. God's bless. Leave your rocks. Take care.